Good morning. It's a joy to be with you again. Uh, we were gone the last two weeks. We were up at uh, Bellbrook two weeks ago, and then last weekend we went down to see Graham, and uh, so we weren't here. But it was nice to see him, and uh, he's uh, out feeding the goats every day. At the, at the, yes, why is a soldier out feeding the goats? I won't tell you what they have to do with the goats, but uh, it, his job this last few weeks has been to feed the goats while he's at the medical program there. Um, but it was good to see him, and it's a, it's a real joy to be back uh, with all of you. I just was, uh, uh, I was walking out the door to, now I, I tell you, for those of you who are guests, uh, we don't eat like that every week uh, at, the, at the break time. Uh, unless Subarcheski is setting it up, it's nothing, nothing even close. There was a women's tea here yesterday, and a lot of that food was leftovers. For those of you who are, who are delighted by it, those of you who are guests, don't, don't attend the chapel. Because that's just because we eat that way, because it's not, you'll be disappointed because not every week that way is in. So, but anyway, as I was on my way out the door, um, I, was, uh, I was walking next to Phil, and ahead of me was Samuel uh, Akinade and uh, Joe Parrell. And just uh, what a delight it was that, uh, you know, here's uh, uh, well, a, man, a man from, uh, you weren't actually raised in India, were you, Joe? You were raised in, uh, in Kuwait, I think, right? Where are you, Joe? Oh, Bombay. No, you're from Mumbai. Yeah, man, Mumbai. From Bay, Bombay. And, uh, uh, and then Samuel Akinade, of course, from Nigeria, and uh, Phil from the United States, and, and me uh, from a land entirely peopled by convicts. And, uh, uh, the, uh, but what a delight it was just to see that the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has saved many people. As I've traveled in my life in the world, it's, it's, uh, you go someplace, you go someplace strange, whatever. Uh, there's a few greater delights I have uh, than to meet with believers from any, any tribe or tongue or people who love the Lord and have that delight and fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's few greater delights I have on this earth. The people who, whether they're rich or poor, uh, f- famous or, or most, mostly not famous, of course, and mostly poor, but we go and, we, uh, and, we, and I can spend time worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a, it's a blessing to be here with you again, those who uh, I know so well and have fellowship with for so many years. And so it's a delight to bring uh, the word of the Lord to have that privilege. The excitement in the book of Acts, and uh, I guess before we start, uh, let's just open in prayer. Um, Father, we thank you for this time we can take to look at the book of Acts and the, your, your word and the, the, the mighty works you are doing through your servants, Father. And the, as you uh, brought forth uh, to this earth uh, what had never been seen before, uh, the church, the, the, uh, and uh, what, a, what a tremendous, tremendous events have taken place. And uh, we have seen, we are the recipients of all of all your blessings in the uh, in your, through your son, and we just thank you for that. And we just pray that the delight uh, that you have in writing about these things and sharing them with us might uh, might capture our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus in Jesus' name. You know, in Ephesians uh, chapter three, it says uh, um, verses nine, and we'll get to the. Um, let me find Ephesians here quickly. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, uh, This mystery, I'm starting in the middle of the verse, This mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. It's a, it's a tremendous verse. It tells us that the, it's his intent was that his manifold wisdom would now be understood, not just by us, a blessing that there is, but also that all the authorities and powers in heaven would now see what God's plan and purpose 
was. And that's what we're looking at in these first couple chapters of Acts. It's, now it's been, it probably in this chapter we're reading, chapter 3, it's probably been 10, uh, 15, 20 days, maybe a month. It's hard to know exactly, but it's only been a very short time since the Holy Spirit came upon the believers there 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. And the, that's, the, that's the start of the church. All those who have the Holy Spirit, all those who are born again of the Spirit from above, um, are part of that church. And it's, that's never been before upon the earth. And now uh, in Acts chapter 2, we read about the Holy Spirit coming upon men and dwelling. We're, we're told in the Gospel of John that the, uh, you know, when Jesus was referring to uh, rivers of water flowing from the, the man who believes in God, and it says he was, he was talking about the Spirit, which up to that time had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified until Jesus Christ was buried, died, crucified, buried, and rose again. The Spirit had not been given to mankind. And now, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God descends upon the church. The power of God, the presence of God in their lives, changing them in in tremendous ways. And the the first couple chapters of Acts just explode with what God's doing. The the next chapter, uh, who's uh, preaching next week? I forget. I'll take your sermon, whoever this is. Since mine was taken. Uh, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. No. But uh, in the next chapter, we'll just see... I'm just kidding, Mickey. I'm totally kidding. And, and we'll just see these ignorant, unschooled men. You know, it's their, they're just a couple of fishermen, James and John, who, who marvel at the, at the weight of the nets they're pulling in. That's a, that's a great day in the life of, of, uh, of Peter and John when they pull in these massive nets of fish. That was, that was their life. You know, these, these men who when they're with a boat with Jesus and a squall comes up, we were just talking about that in our men's Bible study. You know, if, if you're in a boat with fishermen and, and they're terrified of the winds and waves, <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty bad. So anyway, they, they, uh, these fishermen whose, whose great day was pulling in a net loaded with fish and now they're standing before all the educated, uh, argumentative, uh, whatever you want to call them, these, the leaders, and then they're going to speak with such boldness, such courage, such uh, uh, power, such truth that the... That, the, that they're amazed, that they'll be amazed at these men. So it just explodes onto the pages of the first few chapters of Acts that God has done something that's, that's never, never been done before. You know, uh, 1,400 years before this, you know, Moses comes, you know, comes down from the mountain and with uh, the tablets of stone, uh, with the, uh, you know, scribed with the law that condemns every man. You look at the, you look at the Ten Commandments, right? And you, and you say, uh, love the Lord your God. You, know, you, shall have no other, you shall have no other gods before me. You know, and you, wow, I've broken that. You, know, you should not steal. Uh, well, you know, leave me a little bit. You, know, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not commit adultery. You, you shall honor your father and mother. And, you, and this, this, for 1,400 years, this law has been inscribed on stone. It was already written on the hearts of men. But it's been inscribed on stone, standing in judgment against them. This tutor that God gave to show you that you couldn't, you couldn't obey the things he said. And for 1,400 years, that they would go and offer the sacrifice in the place God had appointed, first in Shiloh, and then uh, at the, te- and the tabernacle, and then at uh, the Temple of Solomon, and then in exile, what are we going to do? And then they go back, and the temple's rebuilt, no ark, but a temple, and they're offering these sacrifices, offering these offerings, and, the, and wondering, you know, how is it that I... You know, I, I, my understanding from when I read it is that the the um, the priest would kill the offering, but the person who brought it had to put their hand on the head of that sheep or goat, and the throat was slit, the blood poured out on the ground, and uh, and the river of blood 
I think in the wilderness there, you know, the million and a half people, uh, and they're bringing their sacrifices in the wilderness in the Valley of Sinai there and uh, cutting the, the goat after goat and sheep after sheep, and the blood must have just run through the, the desert on a, on a stream down the side, a continuous testimony and wondering for, for, for uh, 1,400 years, wondering how it is that the goat takes away my sin. Now, God said it. God said it, but it must have been a wonder as you looked at these, these things you did, the sacrifices, I sinned, I brought my offering. I sinned, I brought my offering. Why another goat? Why another bull? How am I forgiven? And now, now, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed that the goat, the bull, was a picture of the sacrifice that was to come. And when you, by faith, did what God said, your sins were forgiven, not because the blood of the goat was spilt, but because you had faith. And you did what God said, and you obeyed. And your sins were, they were covered over. And God would forgive them when Jesus Christ came. And now it's, now it's understood. And the, the disciples, are the, the, now the apostles, are, are the recipients of this understanding. And Paul later will say, it was just a mystery. We didn't understand it. And they, it's only chapter 3 of Acts. It's been 10 days. Uh, 10 days, 20 days since the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And the, believe me, there's still... A whole bunch of questions that they have, but they understand this. Jesus Christ died, and that in him you can have forgiveness of sins. And what a light. What a light. What a revelation to the, to the people of Israel, to the Gentiles. Now I finally understand. And again, I don't think they have it all worked out here, 10 days from, uh, 20 days from Pentecost. But uh, what, a, what a new thing. I mean, what has never been, never been seen, never understood and now the, uh, the Holy Spirit dwells in the, in the believers, and uh, they're just empowered, empowered by God. Not, not that they are now better, you know, in some way, but the Holy Spirit is working through them. And uh, the disciples, we read, uh, the apostles, we read in chapter three at the end, 2 at the end, uh, wonders and miracles, wonders and signs, the purpose of the apostles performing these things. Why not, why not everybody? And at this point in the, in the narrative, uh, the Holy Spirit has told us that it was the apostles that were performing these uh, miracles. Well, it was obviously to authenticate. You know, these 12 men had been with, uh, 11 of them had been with Jesus day in, day out. Matthias was with them in the ministry. But uh, these, these people clearly were known to have been those who were with Jesus. Even the Sanhedrin is going to later note that. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were known to be those who were with Jesus. And now they're proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And God is working in signs and wonders uh, to prove to the people to prove to the people that this, that this, to authenticate the ministry of Jesus Christ. And they're, they're just filled. Every, every sermon's a little different, and uh, their, their audience is different. You know, in the day of Pentecost, it was, it was uh, God-fearing Jews from all over the uh, Mediterranean world. Uh, here at the, at the temple, we'll read the passage in a second. Here at the temple, it's, uh, they're, they're, they're in the temple, and this is the, the, the stomping ground, the, uh, the uh, domain, the kingdom, of the Sadducees. This is the Sadducees' home turf. You couldn't be more home turf for the Sadducees than in the temple. They have the guards, they have the, the priestly setup, they have it, and they don't believe there's a resurrection. And probably the biggest offense to them, personally, is the disciples preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, to the Sanhedrin, to the, the ruling body, it's this whole, whole Jesus uh, whom we crucified, you're guilty of that, you know, that's the problem. But I think to the Sanhedrin, it's, it's as much, it even says that, that they were preaching the resurrection of, of the dead. And that was completely uh, against what they, what they believed. So here they are in the home. It's a different, it's a, it's a singular, powerful testimony, this miracle. And God's going to use it. And it's, uh, he's primarily working through 
the, the disciples, the apostles, those who were with Jesus, to authenticate the very words they're saying. Now, as the church goes on across the, uh, across the world, you know, Paul will tell us that the, these spiritual gifts are given to believers in the church. And so I have no doubt that many miracles were done. I have no doubt that many healings were done. I have no doubt that many administered the work of the church, that many prophesied, that many helped, that many interpreted. And throughout the church, these things would have been going on. So the, the, the miracles that we see are not just the domain of apostles or some special people. Uh, but in, in this case, the intent of God clearly seems to be uh, to authenticate the ministry of those who are testifying, we saw Jesus alive. We saw Jesus alive. And Jesus did, you know, how many miracles? We, we couldn't tell them all. We couldn't spend, we, we don't know, even a fraction, a tiny portion of what Jesus did, we, don't have, we have recorded. And you know, we, we read time and time again, and he healed all the sick. And he healed, the crowds, great, great crowds came to him. A crowd, very great, it says. You know, a, a, a large crowd came to him. And he healed all the sick. And he healed all the sick. And he healed all the sick. And that's just sometimes we hear that. What about all the other places we hear he went and preached, but we don't hear anything? No doubt in those places, it was absolutely known that Jesus healed everybody. So, of course, the power of healing through the apostles is going to authenticate the ministry that, that, that what they're saying is the same message that Jesus was giving to the people. A new thing has been done. God has, has burst onto the scene in the, in the church proclaiming the good news. And, you know, and the, the disciples understand it, but they'll get a better picture, better understanding over the next you know, few years. It takes a few years for them to kind of, I think a lot of Old Testament prophecies to go through and the, a lot of Old Testament scriptures to understand. And it's, it's going to be the Spirit's going to reveal things to them over the years and they can finally understand that what the fullness of God's church is supposed to be, that we, that we the Gentiles can be brought fully in uh, just, as if, just as if we were uh, you know, native-born, just adopted sons, you know, grafted into a tree that we had no part in. And now we can sit here you know, 2,000 years later as sons and daughters, sons of Christ, sons of God, uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, a, a thing uh, never understood. Uh, well, maybe some understood. I don't know. I wouldn't say never, but it seems a lot of confusion, at least, uh, in the... Uh, in the early part of Acts, until they, they finally realize that God's doing a great thing and that the whole world, that the, the good news of Jesus Christ is available to everyone on the earth who'll hear, who'll believe, who'll listen. And what a message. What a, what a message we have to tell. What a, what a story that started here. It's not a, it's not, when we say story, sometimes we mean that that's something like you know, a, a fairy tale or something. But it's, it is a story, but it's a historical events that are being recorded here of what God is starting. And we'll see the next you know, 20 years of it or 30 years of it approximately in the book of Acts. And then, uh, and then we will uh, have to look at historical narratives, trying to, if we want to, to see how it came from the early church to us. I was just thinking on a, a side note, I, I'm going to end on time. I committed to Ryan and to, uh, um, I will not go over time. I was committed to Ryan and to uh, uh, Chris that, that they could have all the songs. I didn't want to, I, I know my wife, she loves my preaching. I know she does, but <laughs> she tells me it all the time. But she, I know she really loves to hear, have the chance to praise God and to worship him uh, with, and with glad and joyful heart. That to her is the most important part of the service. I, I know that is. And so I, for, for, not just for the sake of my wife, but for many of you, I know that the time, the short time, it's a, it is a short time, that we spend worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping God, thanking and praising him, is just a delight and a joy. So I didn't want any of that to be missed, so I committed to them that I'll, that I'll end on time. Now, I had an aside there. What was my aside? 
Oh, how we trace it. Yeah, thank you, Phil. Thank you very much. You must be a teacher to keep such track. How we trace the gospel. We went down to, so this is a side, we went down to see the Viking exhibit downtown two years ago, whatever, and they had these boats, parts of boats, and they talked all about the Vikings and what they did and the, the, the Norsemen. And, uh, you know, really, if you read history, the terror of the Norsemen was a, was a very real terror to the people on the coasts of that part of the world. And so I was going through there, I was thinking, you know, why did they stop terrorizing the world? You know, they were terrorizing the world for hundreds of years, 750, 850, 950, and all of a sudden the terror of the Vikings ends. I was like, I wonder why they ended. At the very end, there was this little exhibit, I don't know how big it was, but it, was, it might have been prominent, but I noted it and it struck me completely. You know why the Vikings stopped terrorizing the world? The gospel came to them. Someone of great, of great valor, greater than the, anyone on earth, went to the Vikings went to these Norsemen and told them that Jesus Christ had died for them and they believed and you can see the stone churches they built and to worship God, to worship his son and they stopped pillaging and murdering the world. Well, that is the gospel that's gone forth. It's, it's, it starts with the book of Acts and it goes through the Norsemen. You know, God, the prayer, one of the prayers of the church every week was in church they would pray, God save us from the scourge of the Norsemen. Yeah, maybe they call them Vikings or the Danes. Was it, was it, God save us from the scourge of the Danes, they'd pray. And God did. The gospel came to them and they believed. Is that, is that amazing that the gospel can go from, from, to us, the sons of Japheth, the sons of Ham, to, to, to the whole earth uh, and, uh, can, uh, and can change the hearts of men? It's, it is, it, the book of Acts is a, is a wonder. It's a wonder. And we'll see here, uh, the, going to the sons of Shem, the Jews, and then we'll see uh, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, sons of Ham, and we'll see then finally Cornelius the centurion, the sons of Japheth being saved. The whole earth, the gospel is for everybody. And that is what the book of Acts tells us. And if we get that, if we understand that, and that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a delight. So I want to read uh, uh, this part here of, uh, of Peter and John. They're going up to the temple. And I want to make it this, uh, I'm going to find Acts first. Um, a couple comments on it. You know, this uh, it says here in the beginning, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. This is, again, uh, 10, 20, 30 days. We don't have the exact date. Just shortly after Pentecost, the spirits come. The, the number at is about 3,000 believers, but they probably, many of them were scattered. Many of them probably went back to their, they were from all, many of them were from the part of the parts of the world, and they came, and they heard that at the day of Pentecost, and they, uh, they believed at Peter's preaching, and m- many of them probably went back. And uh, I think the gospel was starting to go out uh, to the Jews, and they were hearing these things, and God was preparing their hearts. But there's some number who are still here in Jerusalem, the majority of them probably. And they meet in the temple every day. And it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer and at three in the afternoon. And now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And I wonder at that a little bit. I wonder at that a little bit because uh, uh, it was only um, uh, 60 days, 70 days, two and a half months, two and a half months prior that Jesus had come in on a donkey, uh, from, uh, walked in from Bethany, uh, got on the donkey probably in Bethany shortly after that, comes the two, last two miles around the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem on a donkey and they, they throw the palms down, they put their robes down. Uh, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A week before he's crucified on the Sunday the Sunday before the um, crucifixion. And it says, he, Matthew records for us that he, he went into the temple and he drove out the money changers. I think it looks to be the second time he's done that because John 
records it as being the very beginning of his ministry, and Matthew records it as being that Palm Sunday. So it looks like twice at least, maybe more, uh, Jesus goes in the temple and drives out those changing money. This, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. You know, he's just incensed, and uh, he drives out the money changers, refuses to let them carry the, the, the stuff through the temple. And then uh, after he's done that, the people came to him, and it says he taught them, and he healed all the sick. So right there in the temple, if anybody wants to, the, the, the Passover week is like the display of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's, a, it's publicly displayed. He's right there in the temple performing all those miracles. You heard up in Galilee. Oh, do one of those miracles we heard you did you know, up in, in Galilee. No, he's doing them right there, right there in the temple. He's healing everybody who comes to him. So, so where's this cripple? Where's this cripple uh, 60, 70 days ago? Well, you know, I, 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 I would have to speculate. I'd have to speculate. I don't think he was there, even though it says every day. Uh, no doubt he got sick on occasion. Um, the, uh, I'm surprised he's not there on the Passover week. Maybe his friends thought it was a little too busy trying to get in and out of the temple to carry him up there. Uh, I don't know what the reason was, but I'd be surprised if he was at the temple gate called Beautiful that he wouldn't have been healed 70 days ago uh, when the Lord Jesus came through. And what a, If he wasn't there, if he was sick that day, if he was... Uh, had collected a lot of money that earlier that week. There's no point that going up there. I've got plenty of change now for the next few weeks, for the next few months, whatever. And he wasn't there. What a, what a sadness it must have been to have heard that all of these people were healed and he wasn't there. He wasn't healed. So he's sitting there at the gate called Beautiful begging for coins. And I think, too, that we have to recognize that a lot, you know, how many, we just read, we didn't read, but you can go up five sentences in the book and your Bible there, and uh, you'll see that it says many wonders and miracles were done by the apostles, many wonders and miracles. So uh, I just want to understand that you know, there were many people in the days of Jesus who didn't get healed. You know, they, just didn't, they, didn't, they didn't actually physically run into him. Their, their path did not intersect with his path when he was walking in Galilee, when he was coming down to the feasts at Jerusalem, when he's traveling down through the, on the Jordan River, when he, in all these places. He's, he's only in one place at one time. And if your path didn't intersect with him, you weren't healed. And so there were many in Israel who didn't get healed. And this man, I imagine, was, uh, I don't know what he thought. I don't know what he thought would go through his head as he thought about the thousands and thousands of people who were healed by the Lord Jesus. And now Jesus was dead and he didn't, maybe he didn't care. Maybe he didn't believe it. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe he didn't, uh, it wasn't for him. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to get into his mind that way. But it surprises me that he wasn't healed if he's there at the gate called Beautiful every day when the Lord had just been just uh, two months ago, 60 days ago. What's it, November now? So uh, August, October, September. It's the beginning of September, beginning of middle of October. That's how long ago it would have been from this moment uh, in his life that Jesus had come through that, uh, into that temple and healed everybody who was there. And he, he missed out. Uh, and, and I think that's part of, too, what the... What God wants to do, if, if Jesus had stayed on the earth, let's just, you know, how many could he have reached, physically gone to and told? But by having given the Holy Spirit to us, empowering us, we'll see the church just in 20 or 30 years sweep across the world so that all these major cities in the world have a, have a testimony. The people who come into these cities can hear, can hear the gospel and you know, we'll have the, uh, the, the silversmiths of uh, Ephesus rising up and saying, you know, our, our trade is losing its good name. We're, we're making these idols and people aren't buying them anymore because, because of these Christians. I mean, so people are, who come into this to worship at the temple of Artemis are being turned away or not coming 
to the temple of Artemis because they've heard of the church, they've heard of the gospel, they believe it, they, they understand it partially from what they've heard, that these were our fake gods, these idols. Or they believed in Jesus Christ and they, they've been saved. And so there's enough saved in Ephesus that the, the silversmiths are seeing the, their, their reputations besmirched uh, and their, their financial uh, prospects diminished. It's, uh, the gospel is going to go forward to all the cities of, of Europe and people, you know, it'll go beyond where Paul ever goes and uh, it'll uh, eventually, you know, almost cover the whole earth. There's still a few places. We were praying this morning for North Korea, you know, and uh, they had the gospel in 1906, I think, 1910. There was a revival in Korea and uh, the Korean Peninsula, a huge revival. And that was the last time the gospel could be preached in North Korea. After that, the Japanese came in and then there was World War II uh, and then there was uh, the uh, communists took over. And so the last time really the gospel could be preached in North Korea was like 1906 or 1910. But people heard and people believed. And, uh, and I'm, I pray that, uh, that there'll be at least one day, one period of time when the gospel will be opened in North Korea and the people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that that people will not be cut off. And again, there's some who believe. We, we went over that in Sunday school. But the, the gospel's gone all over the earth. And praise the God for those who have, have sacrificed and labored uh, at great great personal risk and expense to bring the gospel. So Peter and John come in, and this man, is this crippled man, is laid there for, uh, for uh, he's been crippled, we'll read later, for 40 years. He's been crippled from birth. And uh, Peter looks at him, and, sa- and the guy looks up, and uh, if, you go, if you stop and uh, look at a, at a beggar, uh, they'll expect something from you. So and yet I feel embarrassed looking away from them. So, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't have an answer, but I at least try to look at them as a human being and maybe... I smile even if I don't have any money or if I'm not going to give them money. Does he smile at them and recognize that they're a human being and they have a, they have a difficult circumstance? Uh, but when you look at someone like that, they expect to get some money. And that's Peter says, look at, look at me. He says, uh, when Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. You know, here's a, here's a picture of the whole world, you know, crippled just seeking after the, the, the value of the world. I want just a little bit of money. I just want a little bit of prosperity. I just want a little bit. You know, he, his need is so great, and he, he, and he doesn't see it. I mean, he probably sees it. I'm thinking that. But he's just looking for a little bit of money. And uh, how much of the world is just looking for a little bit of this world's goods? And uh, Peter and John look at him and say, you know, I don't have, we don't have any silver or gold. And uh, you know, what, a, what a testimony from the church. I don't, I don't think it's our testimony, Unfor- you know, not unfortunately. It's a blessing. It is a blessing that we can give. And if it weren't for the Church of North America, there would be, uh, there would be a lot, far more suffering in the world because the Church of North America has outgiven uh, the world in terms of what has been given to the poor, the uh, missionaries to bring the gospel, to bring uh, help and practical um, uh, benefits to the, to the world. So I don't... I don't uh, begrudge it, but, he, but it, what a blessing that even if you say, well, I can't give, I can't give, I don't have any silver or gold. There's no, there's no limit to what God can do through your life. And I remember a, a girl who's felt, uh, someone was saying said publicly about how the blessing of what the money that they had could be used to help people. And she says, my mom and dad were poor. They never had a penny. That's not quite what she said. I exaggerate. Give me a little exaggeration. My, she did say my mom and dad never had any money. That's what she said. My mom and dad never had any money, and they helped people their whole life. 
And he stopped talking about it at that point because she was absolutely right. You don't need to have any of this world's goods to help people. And what the more greater blessing than what Peter and John are going to do? This man's going to be physically healed. That's, that is great. But the, the greater part is that he clings to them. He clings to Peter and John. He, it, I, I'm sure he's joining this group. I would be surprised if he's not. But isn't that what you want to see from someone who's touched by the church, whose physical condition is helped? Not that they... I want more. I mean, what more can Peter and John give him? I don't have any money. So he's already been healed. He doesn't need anything, but he clings to Peter and John. And that's what you want from people who are helped through the, the blessing of the church and the gospel, that they would cling to the church, not because they hope to get more, but because they've seen the source of power that really is there, God, the maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his son. So he looks at them and he says, Peter, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. Some version says he leaped to his feet and began to walk. And he went through with them in the temple walking and leaping, walking and jumping and praising God. And all the people recognized him. What a testimony. What a testimony. He, he can't be contained. And I don't have to tell you the medical miracle that's beyond uh, me- medicine, no offense to any of our medical practitioners in the audience, uh, but medicine can feel, heal people who've never walked. They can fix something that was structurally wrong. But no one could take someone who's 40 years old and fix something that's structurally wrong. His feet and ankles were weak. And then have him walk and leap. It, doesn't, it is, cannot be done. What a testimony to the, the tremendous miracle. And even the Sanhedrin, they'll stand there trying to figure out how to Get rid of Peter and John. And they'll, 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 the man is standing there. And they're like, oh, he, they couldn't say anything because the man was standing there with them. And they, it's an outstanding miracle, an outstanding miracle that a man 40 years crippled every day at their door, every day at their door, and they could do nothing to help him. And now he's walking and leaping and praising God. Is that not... What can the world do for the broken heart? What can the world do for the sin-laden soul? What can the world do when you're burdened with that, which you justly are burdened with? I, I cannot stand before God because of my sin. What can the world offer you? And uh, you know, I get personally frustrated at the, at the advice of the world. Uh, well, don't, you know, just have to move on from those things, you know. It's, it's this crippled man every day sitting there and the advice of the world is, you know, just move on with it. Just, you know, don't worry about it. What can they do? They could do nothing to help this man. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, heals this man. Power from God. Is that not what God does to everyone who's believed? Power that could never be from any human source. We're forgiven of our sins. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Our lives have changed. The rot of our soul it's taken away, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ is given to us. It's something the world can never do. And here's this crippled man who could never have walked by their power. They had to look at him every day and wonder if they could go through a different gate to, not, to avoid giving. I mean, it's hard when you see someone who's... It is hard, legitimately, when you see a beggar every day and to, uh, to, to wonder what to do, and, uh, and they could do nothing. The world cannot help uh, the crippled soul. And so they, uh, he jumps up, and he's, uh, the people rush to see this. They, they recognize him. He's been, he's been a fixture at the temple for many years, and he's now jumping around and clinging to Peter and John. And Peter and John say, why do you look at us as though it was by our power or our piety, our holiness, as if it was something to do with us? Let me tell you, it wasn't me. It wasn't my power. You know, uh, 
we don't have to do much in this world to, to want to take credit for it. You know, in my job, at my work, in my life, in my witnessing, in my testimony, in my whatever. We don't have to do very much. Uh, now, some of you may be far more noble character like the Bereans uh, were recorded to be, and, or maybe and you don't ever think that you, you don't ever even think of taking credit for the, for the part that God's used you in something or the things you did with your earthly strength or wealth. You know, I've, I've given, oh, I, you know, I should get credit for, look at all the money I gave to this, to this missionary work. You know, you, you just, it's our human, nat, natural human, our fleshly, our sinful nature. But Peter and John, it wasn't our piety, it wasn't our power. And then goes on to give this short sermon, which I don't know if the, the sermon was longer than this. It's a, it reads in about three minutes, you know, that the, the crowd is gathering, so it may have been a longer sermon. We may not have had the whole uh, recorded events here. Peter's, the, the, verse 11, they're holding on, the, the beggar's holding on to Peter and John. And, and he says, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, our own power, our own piety, our own holiness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. And uh, Mickey went over the, the four indictments of the, uh, of the crowd here. He's, he's speaking not to um, a pagan city, you know, that Paul, when he preaches at Pisidian uh, at Antioch, as Paul, when he preaches at, uh, to, to the uh, Greeks, you'll see that the, 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 the material and the topics, the way he presents things is very different. He's got one point to make here from this first part of the passage. You know, I mean, it's only been 50 days. It's been two months, 50, 60, 70 days, 60, 70 days. It's only been two months since these very people in the temple here who were going up day by day, crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, cried out in the crowd, crucify him, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And this is the very crowd he's talking to. So his message is very different here. It's a, he, he lists the, 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 the indictment against them, and he says, I want you to understand that this healing, that this man's healing came by faith in Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead by God. And we're witnesses of this. We're witnesses. And you could go at this point. Uh, and I, I, was, I was thinking on that. Have any of you ever wondered when the 500 saw him uh, alive at one time? Anybody ever thought about that, right? When, but Peter stands up at the, he says the group numbered about 120. So when did 500 people see Jesus alive? Paul records that for us in the book of 1 Corinthians. He was seen first by Peter, then by James, and then by 500 at once, and the last by me as one abnormally born. I think it probably, my, my speculation, was in Galilee, because we know the disciples went to Galilee uh, after shortly after the, resurrection and uh there was obviously more very likely there were a large number of uh people who believed the message of jesus uh in galilee there was a a um uh, he preached there for several years and went around and this, many people heard him so i get, i'm suspecting that there was believers in galilee who are not in the 120 who are down in jerusalem gathered together later but they, when the disciples went north to galilee for some period of time after the resurrection jesus appeared to them and appeared to 500 at once then the disciples are back down 40 days later. Sometime in that process, they've come back down to Jerusalem, and they're there, and the group is a smaller group uh, who believe. I don't know if uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were among that 120 coming from Bethany, or if it's just the people in Jerusalem itself. So I don't know exactly what the 120 encompasses, but I don't think 
I don't think it was all those who believed in the message of Jesus Christ. So, uh, long way of saying that. Um, he's speaking to this crowd who 60, 60 days ago had uh, crucified the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, tells them that by faith in Jesus Christ, this is the witness, this is the testimony, this is a sign, this is a wonder to prove to you that the name of Jesus Christ is the name. Jesus Christ was the Messiah and you killed him. And that's, uh, and that's the purpose of this. He says, why do you look at us? God wants you to know that although you did this, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That's the point of his uh, message. And he says, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. And uh, we've talked about this, I know I mentioned it before, and others have too, that there was some degree of ignorance when they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's some degree. And Jesus will say in the uh, book of John, in chapter 8, he'll say, when I'm lifted up, when you, the Son of Man is lifted up, when I'm lifted up, you will know that I am. You'll know that I am. Ego and me. You'll know that I am. That's the same words, the exact same words that Moses heard burning bush, at the burning bush. I am that I am. Ego and me. Da, 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 da. I forget the rest of it is there. But I am that I am. Ego and me is the first part of that. When, when a, gr- a person speaking in Greek says that, the audience doesn't know immediately whether he's saying the same thing Yahweh, but in Greek, I am, or if he's saying something different. But Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, you will know that I am. And so that's, it's, the, it's the proof, the final proof. So you, you acted in ignorance to some extent, but now there's no place for your ignorance. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and we're witnesses of it. We're testifying of it. We're, we're, we're here to tell you that God has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and, and, and they're going to tell him why. Now, they don't explain all the details as, I've, as I went through them of how the sacrificial system has ended and how the Messiah came and was the, was, those were pictures of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't explain all that. He, the, this crowd needs to understand that the one you crucified was the Messiah God sent, was Jesus Christ, and that by believing in him, you know, all your sins can be forgiven. If you go down to the, the, the very last verse of this chapter, when, when God raised up his servant of Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The very point of Jesus coming was to finally turn you from the wickedness, to finally give you uh, the opportunity to believe that the... Uh, um, that, uh, that by repenting, verse 19, and turning to God, your sins may be wiped out. That your sins may be wiped out, that you may be turned from wickedness. That's the reason God came. So he, he, God, Peter adds that in there. Not adds it in there. That's the key point. It'll become the key point as time goes on. But to these people who are still struggling with why, how he could be the Messiah, you know, if he was crucified, that's what the, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus said. You know, we, we, we had hoped... We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And now we're not sure. Now we're, their faces are downcast. They don't understand. How, how, could, the, how could the one who was going to redeem Israel be crucified? He was supposed to come and reign. And their faces are downcast. And Peter's saying, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And there's more to be told. The message, again, this, this three minutes of reading here may not be all that Peter told. But the, the, the message they need to understand at this moment is that Jesus Christ, the one you crucified, you're guilty of his sin, but God will forgive you by believing in his name. And uh, it'll tell us later that, uh, uh, that the, the number of men grew to about 5,000. Hundreds more believed hearing this message. And it's going to be quite an offense to the, um, 
uh, to the uh, to the Sanhedrin, to those who crucified the Lord. This is a, this is the uh, the call of God to the nation of Israel, the bearing witness, the testimony, and the this is really this is really the uh, not the last. You know, the have been calling out to the nation, begging them to come in in large numbers to come into the church. The uh, we'll see that Peter and John will testify to the Sanhedrin, and then they'll go out and perform tremendous miracles. All it says that they, the San, uh, the Sadducees were filled with jealousy when they, all the things the apostles were doing. This is God's testimony to the nation of Israel. It's clear that at this moment, His testimony is to them that, that this was the Messiah, and you crucified Him. And and then at the end of that period of time they'll they'll stone Stephen to death they'll stone him to death for telling him exactly that they would have stubborn hearts and uh, then God's attention turns you'll see the church after God's offering to the nation of Israel as many who want to come you'll see him send out they'll scatter at the persecution of Stephen and the gospel will go forth and some of them you know will go as to tell the Gentiles and then Peter will be sent to Cornelius and then the the church will, the, the emphasis of the church seems to switch, you know. And, and Jesus said, you know, I, I, I wanna, I, I, those I invited to the wedding weren't, weren't worthy to come. They wouldn't come. Go out to the highways and the byways and force them to come in. And that's what we're going to see in the next, you know, five chapters of Acts. How, how they're going out to the highways and the byways. You know, what a, you read the testimony of, uh, Corinthians has probably the best testimony. You know, you, are, you weren't wise, you weren't influential. You were nobodies. And, and the gospel came to you. And then he'll be even worse. You know, you, you, no sexually immoral person, no adulterer, no homosexual offender, no swindler can receive the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. It's going to go to the highways and the byways and he's going to force them to come in. And praise God that we're here 2,000 years later having been forced to come in. Praise God that he sent the message to us. Thank God for those brave souls who gave up their lives. You know, you think of Patrick in Ireland and the, the, the beatings he took and the suffering to bring the gospel to the, the nation of Ireland. Those who courageous souls who went to the, the Norsemen. Who would ever go to the Norsemen to bring the gospel? Who would go to North Korea and reach the gospel and bring it to people there? Who would ever tell their neighbor about the Lord Jesus Christ in North Korea or, or, or work to reach the poor in Malaysia or all these places. Praise God for those whose courage has not been daunted, who the Spirit has empowered, who, who fear not for their lives, who don't love it so much. They overcome Satan when they don't love their lives, but they preach the gospel. Praise God for every one of them. And this is the, if we can get the, I, I, no, I, the text I think Mickey left to me was on Moses and uh, Samuel and the prophets. Um, we're over time, so sorry. But I, I went through all the prophets. I went through all the prophets to see if, did every prophet speak of the Lord Jesus Christ in these times? Did everyone speak? And uh, I, I found that everyone, they didn't sign anything in Samuel or Elijah or Elisha. They weren't, most of their, it says spoken, right? So they, most of what they did was speak. We don't have it recorded for us. So maybe Samuel did, maybe Moses, maybe Elijah, Elijah. And I went through all the written prophets. Most of them I know whether it's said. But the only one I couldn't really nail down was Jonah. Did Jonah speak? Now, Jonah himself is the message of the, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? But uh, his, he, I looked at his talk in the belly of the whale. 
And he says, I've been cast down. And then you brought me up again. I thought, what a picture of the times that God is promising the nation of Israel. Just to be brought to such a low point of death. And now, to be brought out, they could have been vomited out of the belly of the whale right here and accepted and had life. And uh, it was offered to them. And it, uh, I think that's part of what Jonah's picture is, not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but to the nation of Israel too. But I, I stretch it on that one. But you can, it says here, all the prophets... Uh, from Samuel on, as many as have spoken have foretold these days. And uh, so I was going to talk a little bit about that, but I'll leave you to go to each one, to Amos and to Joel, and it's clear. In every one it's clear, except Jonah's the only one I have to stretch it a little bit to, to, to find out. But maybe he spoke it. He, we know there's a lot of prophecies that Jonah spoke that we don't have. Um, he prophesied about the expansion of Israel and all the other things. So we know he pro- spoke other prophets, so maybe he spoke those things, and we just don't have them recorded for us. But I will uh, I'll stop there. Uh, this uh, miracle the... It's going to enrage the Sanhedrin. It's going to enrage the enemies of God. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, the persecution of the church is, you know, a page away. And uh, here, first, it's verbal intimidation. Then they're beaten, beaten physically, and, and they rejoice. And uh, we'll, the, the the verse that strikes me, and the, and the place where they met was shaken. You know, the Holy Spirit just shakes the place. They cry out to God for power to preach in the na- in the face of their enemies, and the place was shaken. That's a, could that not be us? Could that not be us that this place would be shaken and the Holy Spirit would be poured down on us in such a way that there's no fear? Of, we, you know, how many of us are just going to face embarrassment for sharing the gospel? That's the, that's the most part. Not some, it's be more, I know that. But most of what we face for sharing the gospel is just embarrassment. May the place where we meet be shaken by the Holy Spirit. It, uh, it, is, a, it is a tremendous, it is tremendous to see the manifold wisdom of God made known. This is the manifold wisdom of God that sinners, that Gentiles, can be brought in and be made sons and daughters of God that we can understand how we're forgiven. I know why and how God accepts me because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin and by faith in him, I have eternal life. I know that. And they didn't understand that before. The manifold wisdom of God. How can sinners ever praise God? How can we ever be in heaven with him? How can that happen, the angels must have said. How can you save these people? Why didn't you just wipe them out at the very beginning? And now the manifold wisdom of God is made known in us. Praise God. Praise God. What a story. What a... I mean, it's a historical fact. It's not a story. And we're the, we're the recipients of the greatest part of the story. It's not just something you hear about these people who over there and some good things or bad things happen. It's something that happened. And the greatest part of the blessing of this story has come to us that we should be part of the church of Jesus Christ. We should be numbered among those few in the entire history of humanity that from past to future who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and received eternal life. The manifold wisdom of God is made known to all the authorities of heaven, in our salvation, in our sitting here in this one little room. What's special about this little place on all the earth? Well, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are here. And the, and the angels wonder at that. They wonder a lot less now because they now know why it is that God receives us. But before, it was a mystery, and they longed to look into it. But now the manifold wisdom of God is known. Here we are. Here we are, this little group displaying the great... I've gone over time. Sorry. I'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you that, you're, that we are the recipients of this tremendous blessing that uh, we see starting here in the book of Acts, that just a page before that we turned back, and we see the very beginning of this amazing thing 
that you would save sinners and that you would, uh, your spirit would be poured out upon your people, that we would be partakers in the divine nature. Father, it's, it's too much to explain it all. It's too much to understand. And, and uh, the, your wisdom has been, uh, your manifold wisdom has been made known to all the heavenly powers, that this is how, you know, <laughs> this was your plan forever. We thank you for that, Father. We just thank you for uh, working in our lives, bringing us here to this place. What a privilege. What a privilege that we should be in this little room uh, on a, uh, this, uh, this first day of the week. And we have the privilege of knowing the living God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.